Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. We read from Mark's Gospel, chapter 13, beginning at verse 24. But after that distress in those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then you will see the Son of Man coming on clouds with great power and glory. At that time he will send out his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the farthest end of the earth to the farthest end of the sky. Learn this illustration of the fig tree. Whenever its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things happening, you will know that he is near at the doors. Amen, I tell you. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things happen. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. This is the gospel of our Lord, we pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Fellow redeemed friends in Christ Jesus, who is surely coming soon, when it comes to signs, it's one thing to see them, it's another thing completely to understand them. For example, traffic signs are intentionally engineered and placed in positions where, unless you have your head buried in your phone checking TikTok, you, you can't help but see them. They're right in front of your face. You can't help but see them. For example, uh, you know when you're coming to a roundabout and there are those upside-down red triangles, bright red triangles, do you know what those signs mean? I'm glad you do because it seems like most drivers on the road don't understand what they mean. You know, you've probably run into people on either extreme of misunderstanding what a yield sign means, right? You've probably come to a, a uh, roundabout or been in a roundabout where someone seems to think that that red upside-down triangle means, well, it doesn't matter who's coming from the left. You just go on through. You have the right of way. Or on the other hand, maybe you've been behind someone coming to a roundabout where they think that upside-down red triangle is actually a stop sign, and they come to an absolute stop even when there's no one coming. Both are frustrating because they see the signs, yet they don't understand them. I'm a little nervous if you've been on the belt line recently. You've no doubt seen that they've started putting up the signs that will regulate traffic in the left-hand lane, the, the shoulder lane, as an additional traffic lane. I'm kind of concerned because I think there's going to be a pretty steep and maybe lengthy learning curve for people to understand what those signs actually mean. They'll see them. They're plain as day right up there, but understanding is a totally different thing. Today, our Lord is giving us signs of his second coming. Signs that everyone will see, but signs that only those who hear and believe his word will actually understand. The first series of signs that Jesus describes are undoubtedly, without question, signs that everyone on earth has seen, can see. He describes things taking place in the heavens above us. It's been recorded by ancient Babylonian and Chinese cultures. We still have their records that that they've observed solar and lunar eclipses as far back as 2500 B.C. It's been estimated by NASA that between 2000 B.C. and 3000 A.D., that 5,000-year period, there will occur almost 12,000 different eclipses, either partial or full eclipses. Uh, Here's a fun fact. 
Our second child, Joel, he was born on what they call the the Great American Eclipse. Remember that from a few years ago on August 21st, 2017? That's one that we here in Wisconsin could see, a total eclipse. In fact, there's a, a partial lunar eclipse coming up this Friday, the 19th. It's safe to say that every adult has seen an eclipse, either a partial or a full eclipse. They are seen by everyone. And the same with, with comets, the same with shooting stars. Everyone has seen them, or at least had the ability to see them. But not everyone understands what they mean. In fact, the ancient cultures, they, they didn't understand an eclipse. They didn't understand comets or shooting stars. And, and they were very superstitious about it. They attached great meaning to seeing the sun or the moon go dark, to seeing a star appear to fall out of the sky, or a comet seem to to streak overhead. They attached meaning to it. But we're not superstitious or ancient like them, are we? No, we are smart, sophisticated, intelligent people in the 21st century. We have really smart computers. We have these big fancy telescopes that we can put up in space that tell us what's really going on. We know that that comets don't really just come out of nowhere. We know that shooting stars are really pieces of rock falling down and being vaporized in Earth's atmosphere. We are so technologically and scientifically advanced that that we can specify exactly the second when an eclipse will begin and exactly the path that eclipse will follow on the surface of the Earth. We're smarter than that. We don't need to attach meaning to something that we understand like like an eclipse or like a comet or like a shooting star. But really, when you step back, who's who's the fool? Who's the the caveman, the barbarian, when it comes to seeing these signs and yet either understanding them or not understanding them? Or put it in the context of coming to that roundabout. Would you rather have would you rather come to that roundabout and run into somebody who who doesn't know what the sign really means, but they know it means something, and so they're very cautious and they're very attentive to what's going on. Or would you rather come to a roundabout with someone who who knows, well, at some point a traffic engineer designed that sign and where that sign should go, and it was installed by the construction crew, but you know, beyond that, I don't care. It's totally meaningless to me. I'm just going to drive however I want. We should see meaning. Jesus wants us to see meaning in these things that yes, we now know, have scientific explanations. He says, after that distress in those days. And and that's very important, understanding what those days are to establish the time frame that we're looking at. Jesus has just, just described earlier in Mark chapter 13 the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. And so what he's describing is the time period after that, after 70 A.D., all the way up until his second coming, his return in glory. And so what he's describing is the entire New Testament period. And he's saying that during those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Everyone on earth will see these signs. But sadly, very few, even very few Christians will understand what they mean. Now, that doesn't give us an excuse. If you've read Genesis chapter 1, you know that already in the beginning, God 
intended the sun, moon, and stars to be signs. This is what the Lord said. Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to divide the day from the night and let them serve as markers to indicate seasons, days, and years. So from the very beginning, the, the lights in the heavens were to be markers, markers of time. Now what Jesus does here is he adds a, another layer of meaning to those sun, moon, and stars in the sky. He says not only do they mark time, but as you see them go dark, as you see them fall out of the sky, they are not only signs that I will surely return, they are also signs that this world will not endure. As those lights that God placed in the sky, intending them to be permanent lights and markers of time, fall from the sky and go dark, we are to see them and understand this. This world is not going to endure. This world and everything we know in it is passing away. That's the first sign. Here's the second sign. He says that even as we see the the heavens shaken, the Son of Man will come in great power and glory. Have you seen that? Do you understand that sign? Here, I'll give you a little hint. There's a few Bible verses that hint at what Jesus is talking about here. And you've heard these verses. If you've heard these verses, then you have seen the Son of Man coming. You've you've heard this verse, where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. You've heard that verse. Or you've heard Jesus say, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Do Do you get it now? Do you get what he's saying? In saying that the Son of Man will come in great power and glory? Maybe not. And the problem is that many people don't really understand the nature of Jesus' work on this earth. You see, he didn't always, in fact, he rarely revealed his divine power and glory during his time on this earth. Quite the opposite, he humbled himself. We call that his state of humiliation. He humbled himself to step down from heaven's throne to be born in the womb of a virgin in a manger in Bethlehem. He humbled himself. The the Word himself, who, who gave us all of God's Word, humbled himself to be obedient to God's law, to obey it in our place so that we may be judged righteous in God's sight. He humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death, even to the point of death on the cross. But what did Jesus say as he completed his work on that cross? He said, it is finished. Yes, in Jesus' first coming, he came in great humility, but that's done with now. Now he has taken up his his mighty, divine power and glory once again. Easter, in fact, inaugurated what we call the end times, the New Testament age, the church age, the period of time in which we live. That's why, if you recall, 50 days after Easter, Peter told that Pentecost crowd, the, the days, the last days that Joel had talked about hundreds of years before, they were now here. That's why Paul could write later to the Corinthians, he could say, the end of the ages has come. We are living in the end times. Jesus has completed His work of redemption. All that's left for Him to do is to come back and take us home with Him to heaven. What that means is that right now is when we should see the Son of Man coming in great power and glory. Do you see that now? Do you understand that? 
The trouble is that this sign is only visible to eyes of faith. Eyes that are darkened with unbelief, they may see these signs, but, but like those people who don't understand a yield sign, they'll just drive right on by without ever understanding, without ever seeing the significance. Unbelief does not see the Son of Man coming down in great power and glory in the water of baptism to raise those dead in sin to life. No, eyes of unbelief, all they see is, is some plain tap water, Maybe someone giving a sign of their commitment to Christ. Unbelief does not see in the words of absolution the judge of all giving out his verdict for all time. No, the eyes of unbelief, all they see is some lunatic in a robe who thinks he's playing God, forgiving people's sins or not forgiving them. The eyes of unbelief don't see at the sacrament of the altar, the first course of the great wedding banquet of the Lamb in heaven. No, eyes of unbelief only see some stale bread and some cheap wine. Maybe at most, at best, what they see is something to make us remember what Jesus did long ago on the cross, but they don't see the Son of Man coming in great glory and power. But by God's grace, through the eyes of faith, we can see that, right? We can see the glory, the power that, that Jesus has, has injected into these simple means of grace. We see the, beyond the surface, beyond the sign, we see the meaning that these are the ways that the Lord comes to us in great power and glory to save us. So the signs are here, right? They're, they're, they're up in the sky. They're, they're on this altar and in that font. Does that mean that we should pack our bags, that we should cancel our Thanksgiving plans because Jesus is going to come? No. No. And how do I know that? Uh, How do I know that, that these words are not describing the signs that will take place immediately before the end of time, but they are signs that point to the certainty of Jesus' second coming? An angel told me. Really, an angel told me. Let's step back for a second. Let's use Scripture to interpret Scripture in these verses. So Jesus says that he will send out his angels to the four corners of the earth and gather in his elect. Let's compare that to a couple of other sections that definitively are about Judgment Day. Matthew 13 and Revelation 14, both are descriptions of Judgment Day when Jesus will send out his angels. Now here's the difference. In both of those sections, which are definitively about Judgment Day, Jesus sends out two different sets of angels. One to gather in the believers, the other to gather in unbelievers. How many sets of angels does He send out here? Just the one. Just the one to gather in the elect. This cannot be Judgment Day. In fact, we don't even have to understand the word, the Greek word angelos as angel as we typically think of it. The word angelos actually means messenger. Are you understanding now? What Jesus is talking about here is what he did right after his resurrection. You see, during his time on earth, he had limited the scope of his disciples' mission. He sent them out and he said, don't go to the Gentiles, don't go to the nations, You must go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But now, after his resurrection, you know what Jesus said. Go to the ends of the earth and gather my disciples from all nations. That's happening right now. 
That's been happening for 2,000 years. Wherever the gospel of Christ crucified for sinners is proclaimed, Jesus is sending out his messengers, his angelos, his angels to gather in his elect. Do you see what that means? You see that our, our job, our mission as a church, as, as a Christian pastor and teachers and grandparents and parents, our job is not merely to instill biblical morality in people. Or, or to teach Bible history to people who otherwise wouldn't know it. Our job is actually to go out as Jesus' messengers to gather in His elect. What an incredible job. I told you an angel told me that, right? Because just as an angel, just as a messenger came to you at some point in your life and proclaimed the gospel to you and gathered you into the fold, so by God's grace, a messenger from Jesus came to me and proclaimed to me the message of Christ crucified for sinners. That angel told me. That's proof. Proof positive. That a messenger came to you with the Gospel. Proof positive that Jesus is coming right here and right now in great power and glory. So are you, are you getting a handle on the signs? Are you beginning to not only see the signs, but understand them? Do you see that that when the, the moon and the sun go dark and when the stars fall from the sky, that's, that's not just a fascinating solar event. That's, that's a sign that this world is falling apart, that this world is not going to endure. Do you see Jesus coming in great power? Right here, in these signs, in these symbols, in these sacraments, in His great power and glory. Do you see that, that as parents, as Christians, as members of a congregation, we have the great privilege to gather in God's elect from all over the earth. Jesus kind of ties all these signs together with a third sign. He says, learn this illustration of the fig tree. Whenever its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things happening, you will know that he is near at the doors. I know we sophisticated Americans, we think, well, we don't need a fig tree to tell us when spring is coming. We have Puxatawney Phil for that. Or we have meteorologists, whatever you prefer. But they can and they are wrong. However, it's interesting that nature doesn't generally get it wrong. Certain trees, like the fig tree or the, uh, I think, almond trees, pecan trees maybe, uh, they're pretty firm indicators, pretty certain indicators that when they start to blossom, summer is coming. And that's what Jesus is saying here. When you see these signs... You can be sure. They are certain signs that I am coming, that even that I am right at the door. And these signs are visible to every generation. Every generation will see these signs. Every generation can look in the sky and see that this world will not endure. Every generation has the opportunity to come here and see the Lord in great power and glory working through word and sacrament to gather in His elect. But sadly, many will not be ready for the day that Jesus comes through that door. He's standing at the door. What will our reaction be when he steps through it? I think you can think of a, a situation you might have in your own home. Think of somebody knocking on your door in the middle of the night. Now, it could be a very terrifying thing or it could be a very joyful thing. I think it would be very joyful if you're a parent whose child is away at college and, and they're coming back late at night from, from school uh, to celebrate Thanksgiving for you. You're expecting that. That's a joyful thing. But if you're not expecting anyone, that can be terrifying to know that someone is at your door. 
So which will it be for us? We know that, like those drivers who just do not understand what a yield sign means, when, when they see these signs but they just ignore them or they say they can be explained by scientific reasoning and they just drive on past, they're not going to be ready. When Jesus knocks and walks through that door, they will not be ready. They will be cowering in shame. The book of Revelation says they're going to cry to the mountains, fall on us, hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. But what about us? Now that we can understand what these signs mean. So you don't make the mistake that the rest of the world does. You know, you're getting the sense that the world is seeing the signs that this world isn't going to last, right? They may place different labels on it. They call it global warming or climate change or whatever. They understand. They see the signs. There's something not right. There, there's something not right with nature, with this world, with this universe. Something, it's falling apart. They get it. But they don't look any further than the signs. They don't understand. They don't see the meaning. And it's easy for us to make that mistake too, that, that we tie our lives and our safety and security to the things we see that, that we think will always be here. That the ground underneath our feet or the sun and the moon and the stars and the sky, they will always be around. Scientists tell us the sun, it's got another five billion years of fuel to burn. Sometimes look for safety and security in things like money or real estate or uh, a legacy, uh, an estate that we can hand down to our children. Jesus says those things are all passing away. There's no safety or security to be found there. He says you've got to find your safety and security, a foundation to stand on your hope and your joy for when I step through the door somewhere else. Those things are all passing away, he says, but my words, they will never pass away. You know that human words don't last forever, right? Uh, if you get a copyright, if you write a book or a play or a song, that copyright goes away 70 years after you die. Uh, pharmaceutical drugs, you know, they're patented for a while, but it's only 20 years and then, and then they can be generic. Even, even some of the most powerful words and we think permanent words that, that we've spoken, our wedding vows, they're not eternal. Those expire when either you or your spouse does. But Jesus' words, they endure forever. They will never pass away. So it doesn't matter if you were baptized 5, 15, or 55 years ago. The words that were spoken over you then are just as valid today. You are a baptized child of Christ. You have been baptized into His death and His resurrection. The absolution that you heard today will stand the test of time. When everything else in this world has gone away, when you stand before Jesus' judgment throne, His verdict will be the same as you heard today. You are not guilty. The life that Jesus gives you through His body and blood in this sacrament, that doesn't expire when your heart stops beating. In fact, that's when your true life really begins. Everything else in this world is passing away. You know that the unbelieving world can see it, but they don't understand it. They don't know what it means. You do. You do. You, you know. You understand it means that we can't tie ourselves to the things of this world that are so temporary and so fickle. We must stand firmly on the one thing that won't pass away that is the unchanging Word of God. With signs, it's one thing to see them. It's another thing to understand them. 
the world sees the signs, but they, they make the terrible mistake of, of clinging ever more tightly to the things of this world that are passing away. May we learn today to not tie ourselves, to not cling to the things of this world that are passing away, but to the one thing that won't, to the words of Jesus that grant us joy and comfort and confidence for that day when he opens the door, whether it's our own death or, or when he opens that door on judgment day. Because these are the only things that will never, ever pass away. Amen.